hands and close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brennan Storr. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun is set, and this is most definitely one. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode number 36, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing great, Brennan. How are you? Uh, I'm good, uh, but then I'm not the one who had my life threatened. That's true. I had some adventures on Friday. You did, and not the kind you normally have on Friday night. <laughs> you mean where I have too many drinks and fall asleep watching Netflix? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. So t- tell us about your uh, your terrifying adventures. Well, I was doing a private tour on the Ghost Walks, and that requires me to go in the back alley entrance to the building, um, and there's often some colorful people hanging out there this is true yeah that's not a great place it's not and on friday there was probably about 15 people hanging out back there drinking doing stuff so legitimately a mob oh yeah yeah because it's not that big a space no so i went down to cut through and this guy like rushed up behind me and with his chest puffed out he's like you better get out of here i'll kill you wow yeah so i looked at him and i went huh and I kept going <laughs> and unlocked the door and went in and locked the door behind me. And then I'm like, hmm, I think I'll exit out the front way tonight. You handled that well. No, but like, what are you going to do? I'm, I'm going to give it back to him with his 15 friends standing there like, <laughs> yeah, f*** you, man. Because <laughs> that's so mean. Want to fight? Yeah, let's fight. Let's go, dude. I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a measure of your character that you didn't respond in kind. Uh, because I have, I mean, sure, there's common sense there too. <laughs> but, but I have been in a situation where I should have known better. <laughs> and I did not. And um, what happened? I was out in Souk with, with my well, wife. Well, Souk. Well, yeah. Yeah. And we were looking for uh, the entrance to, I, w- I want to say it's Sydney Spit. Or oh, Whiff and Spit. Whiff and Spit. Whiff and Spit. So we wanted to take the turn off to Whiff and Spit. Yeah. And as it turns out, well, we took the wrong one. There's a huge, enormous, ludicrously oversized Best Western out there. Yes. It looks like one of Saddam's palaces. Yeah. <laughs> We accidentally turned down there. Right. And as we were figuring this out, we realized we were blocking the road. Right. And I thought, oh, crap, my bad. So we went to move, but there was this enormous purple Dodge truck in front of us. Just vast thing. It looked like a battle cruiser. <laughs> there was a crazy man driving it. There's mm-hmm. two men. Mm-hmm. Very, you know, rough looking men. Souk-like. Yes. And they were swearing at me for being in, in, in their way. Oh, so and, a road rage situation. Yeah. So I moved out of the way and I thought, what? What's, what's the problem? And I leaned out the window as they were driving past. And oh, I, no, and you I didn't. Said, no, you Fuck didn't. you. No, you didn't. That and is never a good idea. So now, now, now this, the way it's working, there's going to be a lot of bleeps in this episode, yeah. folks. They, now, they are parked away from me. They're going up the, the driveway. Right. I'm going down the driveway. So we are parked opposite directions from each other. Yes. We are not looking at each other. No. But we are just screaming out our respective windows. Fuck you, back and forth. And productive. Productive. Yeah. For about f- four minutes. Oh. That's a long time. And now these guys are, I'm a big guy. These guys were easily bigger than me. Yeah, yeah. And at this point, animal brain had taken over and I was just being stupid. Right. And finally, I thought, what's the most cutting thing I can say to these men to just really get under their skin? And I'm not proud of this. I'm not proud of this. I yelled, your truck is fucking gay. <laughs> and what was their reaction to that? Peeled off out of the parking lot. Oh. And how is, how is Nikki with this? Well, you can imagine. She's yeah. a lot smarter than I am. She was, uh, yeah, not pleased. Because <laughs> my theory, and I've run into people downtown before who've been 
issue heavy, um, right. uh, has been what's worked for me every time is I give back the energy that I would want to receive. Right. So with this guy going, it was like, mm-hmm, just, uh, okay, you know, you've said your piece. Right. Go with God. Like, right. yeah, just, no. Because w- w- how is anything I hit him back with? If I hit him back with the same energy, I'm just going to get, it's just going to amp up. Right? Oh, sure. It's gonna, 100%. It's just going to escalate. And, um, and then you're going to end up shouting at each other. Or worse. Or, or worse. Because he had 15 friends down there, and no. it was a dark back alley with absolutely no access to anything. So. Yeah. And I knew I had to get to the door and unlock it. It's not like I could just run over and open the door and run of in. Of course. And I had to get my key in, unlock it, pull it behind me, and lock it up again. So. And let's face it, you and I are not fast-moving creatures. We're not built for speed. No. No, no we are no cheetahs. So. All right, so moving on from the dangers of the world and my impulse control issues. <laughs> Which are threaded pretty widely throughout your life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you don't get this fine athlete's physique with a lot of self-control. That's right, me either. With this episode, we are going to be talking about haunted hotels. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty excited. We've got some great stories lined up. Uh, I love hotels. Yeah, me too. I love staying in hotels. It's, uh, you know, e- even with Airbnb now, which is uh, kind of nice to get an apartment, uh, I still prefer hotels. One thing I like, especially if you stay in an older, like, motel... You get to go in the bathroom and you get to cut the paper over the toilet and officially declare the toilet <laughs> That's open. That's right. Yeah, the sanitize your protection sticker thing. I love ripping that open and being like, yes, this toilet is now mine. <laughs> yeah. It's open for use. You're welcome, general public. <laughs> I'm king of this Motel 6. I am king of this toilet. <laughs> and we have a guest artist on this show. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to have a new track from Hexagram. Excellent. Yes, it's, uh, it's all, it was made specifically for us. Wow. Yes. Are we fancy? We are very fancy and handsome, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> the song is titled The Future Belongs to Them Now. And again, it's not available online, but you can find Hexagram at Hexagram, that's two X's, not three, dot bandcamp.com. The Hexagram with three X's is on Pornhub, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, well, that's my account. <laughs> you, you can't have that. Oh, that's why the browser history is so messed up. No, that's why it's deleted. (laughs) When we come back from the break, we'll be talking about haunted hotels. Welcome back. As we said before the break on this episode, we're going to be telling stories from haunted hotels. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, I, I like hotels. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, there's something about that sense of comforting anonymity. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in doing research for this episode, Luke found this incredible Reddit thread about, written by people who've worked in hotels and about the worst things they have experienced there. Really? Uh, and there's a lot. Oh man. Yeah. The, the, there is an uncomfortable number of fecal, every fecal, fecal <laughs> stories. <laughs> I think people lose their minds when they stay in hotels. I've worked in a few hotels and it's like people's self propriety turns off and they become animals. Like it, it's like the goal is to make the biggest mess you can possibly make. Yeah. It's 
it's gross. It's like because someone else is cleaning up after you, yeah. therefore you have carte blanche to be. Well, and it's the an- anonymity thing you. I guess. Yeah, well, I guess right? so. You think nobody knows who you are or what you're doing, but yeah, it can be pretty gross. I had a bad room service experience. Really? When I was the waiter. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, I got to hear this. Okay, so I was 18 years old. Right. Working in a hotel. I'd been brought on to be the uh, coffee shop busboy, but the guy who was in charge of the banquet managing got drunk and stole the hotel van. It was like an airport or hotel. So they promoted me to banquet captain. Banquet captain's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. And I knew nothing. So what that meant was um, I went from being coffee shop busboy to all of a sudden a waiter in the dining room, a waiter in the coffee shop, room service waiter, um, in charge of big banquet events. Like, yeah, it was was bonkers. So in Alberta at the time, and this was like 20, more than 20 years ago, um, you could not order alcohol before noon unless you ordered food. Okay. So these two women had checked into the hotel. And they pre-authorized a credit card, and they began ordering at 10 o'clock in the morning Long Island iced teas with toast. And I would run the food up there, and then – so I I went up there, and they were both larger ladies, uh, older, uh, wearing very short see-through negligees, uh, and they invited me in to spend quality time with them. Oh, no. I declined. They um, <clears throat> then signed the slip and they tipped me five bucks, which was quite a bit of money for way back then. So the nice thing was as soon as I brought my slips down, they would give me the cash for the tips on the spot. Right. This happened four more times in the morning where they would order iced teas with toast. I would go up. They would try and entice me into the room, getting more and more aggressive <laughs> as they drank more. Oh. And it got to the point where I would not cross the threshold from the hallway into the room because they were being quite aggressive. But they tipped me five bucks every time. So at this point, you know, I made like 20, 25 bucks off these ladies over the course of the morning and into the afternoon. Right. However, the next thing I knew, the RCMP were coming into the lobby and going upstairs. And uh, they walked out with these two ladies in handcuffs, still in their negligees, I might add, uh, being put in the back of a police car. So I went over to the front desk person. I'm like, oh, what went down? And uh, he goes, well, they checked in with a stolen credit card, apparently. So when they hit their limit on the pre-authorization, they had to rerun the credit card. Right. And then it came back stolen. So they ended up getting put in prison, and I got 25 bucks. So, <laughs> wow. So ne- you nearly got jumped by plus-size Thelma and Louise. Exactly. <laughs> People generally don't see you as a person. They'll answer the door naked. They'll, right. you know, whatever. And they, they think they're in some penthouse form or something. You know, back in the day, remember? He, oh, form? sure, yeah. I think people also think um, of that. It's not just about making a mess. It's getting rid of all their boundaries. <laughs> like wow. It's, yeah, it's pretty extraordinary. I don't, see, I, I've, for, I've never done that because I don't think like that. It's weird no. for me to imagine thinking like yeah. that. It would just never occur to me to treat me someone neither. like that. Me neither. I you mean, know? if I'm in a hotel room and they have like a little kitchenette, I wash all the dishes and, you know, I clean yeah. up the coffee maker yeah. and all that stuff. I throw my towels in the tub. I used to, yeah, I used yeah. to strip the bed and then Nikki made me stop. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, that's just gross, man. I get it. No, Yikes. I, yeah, no. Well. So, there isn't just the paranormal horrors that are in hotels. No, no, no. And, the, well, yeah, I was going to say nothing we have lined up today is quite as frightening. There you as, go. Uh, as there that. There you go. Although there, there was one story uh, on that Reddit thread where this guy didn't want to be bothered for quite a long time. Right. Which is never a good sign. No. Uh, when they finally went in, because they hadn't seen him in a couple of days, they found a severed head 
Oh, crap. In a box in the in the uh, cupboard. That's not good. No. No one's coming back from that one in a good way. <laughs> and so that's the thing. So you got this comforting anonymity. But who knows what's happened in there? Well, and that's the thing. And I mean, a lot of times people who want to commit suicide and they don't want to put their families through painful times will go to hotels because they know that whoever finds them is not going to know who they are. Right. There's no emotional attachment. Uh, is it still horrifying for the poor chambermaid? Absolutely. Oh, of course. But um, at least it's not their dad or their partner or whatever. So, yeah, things happen in hotels that just really don't happen anywhere else. It makes sense to me that um, there would be paranormal activity because a lot of people check in and don't check out, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, let's get down to some stories here. Yeah. So our first one comes from Thailand. I've had paranormal experiences since I was a child. And when I was younger, I found these experiences frightening. But the older I get, the more laid back I am about things and just find them interesting. I also have a very healthy skepticism and will always look for logical explanations for anything unusual. In 1999, my eldest son, then aged 11, and I went to Thailand for a three-week holiday. After landing in Bangkok late in the evening, we stayed at the airport hotel, catching the train from the railway station to Ayataya, the ancient capital of Thailand, early the next morning. We arrived early in the afternoon, checked in, and left our bags in our room, and went out to explore the ruins of the ancient city. Due to jet lag catching up with us, we didn't last long, and we're back around 5 p.m. having an early dinner in the hotel restaurant before retiring to our room. I was a bit concerned about security, especially our passports and money, so I not only locked the door, but put the chain latch across it before putting everything into the room safe. As it was still early and still light outside, I switched off all the lights and closed the window blinds. By 7pm, we were both dead to the world. In the middle of the night, I suddenly came to consciousness with the overwhelming feeling that there was someone in the room. I gradually gained enough courage to slowly open my eyes. Every single light was on in the room, side lamps, overhead lights, as well as the entry light. I thought someone had broken into the room, so I waited and listened for sounds or movement. When I didn't hear anything, I got up and checked the hallway and then the bathroom. Nothing. Not surprising, as the chain latch was still in position, and it would have been impossible for anyone to have entered the room without making noise. I checked the safe and found nothing had been tampered with. Then I glanced at the bedside alarm clock and noted it was 3 a.m. Having seen the local tie poles and wires, I assumed it was just some weird glitch with the electricity, so I switched off all the lights and went back to sleep. The next day, my son and I went out for another exhausting day of visiting ruins and museums, and once again were felled early in the evening with jet lag. In the middle of the night, my son woke me up in a panic, telling me that there was someone in the room. This time, the room was completely dark. I reassured him that there was no one in the room, and gently urged him to go back to sleep. I looked at the time. 3 a.m. I realized that then that I hadn't been imagining anything the previous night. I didn't tell my son about my experiences. I didn't want to frighten him. The next day on returning from breakfast, my son noted that unlike all the other hotel room doors, which were decoratively carved teak, our room door was plain white pine. He was absolutely convinced the room was haunted. Thai people are extremely superstitious and have many different categories of spirits. Nearly all Thai houses will have a spirit house outside the house, like a small dollhouse complete with miniature furniture and food offerings in order to accommodate household spirits and lure them away from the household. Mm -hmm. Really? Mm -hmm. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, very, uh, every, um, I went to a place in Myanmar on top of a mountain. Right. And it was a very odd place because it was a, a coming together of the Buddhist religion that was sort of the state religion. Right. And another piece of religion they were uh, referred to as nuts. 
<laughs> not, you know, crazy, uh, but not spirits and their nature spirits or spirits of people who've passed. Oh, okay. And so to appease them, what they did was they created uh, basically lifelike, um, like Madame Tussauds kind of thing, um, statues of these people. And it was believed that if you gave them these bodies to inhabit, they would leave the living alone. Oh. Um, so there was like a, a woman who'd been a teacher in town and there'd been um, a couple soccer players who'd been killed in a car accident. And they had these um, statues of them on top of this mountain in this temple where half the temple was dedicated to Buddha and the other half was to the nut spirits. Really? Yeah. So it's really interesting. And that was Myanmar, which is a, an interesting blend of like Chinese, Thai, Indian kind of culture. So right. Pull them all together. But I, when I was in Thailand, I definitely saw the spirit houses. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a big thing. Well, the, to finish this one up, they said that before I could stop my son, he told the staff at the hotel front desk that there was a ghost in the room. The alarmed and frightened looks on the front desk staff's faces indicated that they knew there was a story oh. with the room. I think they deliberately gave the room to tourists as the majority of the guests were Thai. Yeah, that makes sense. Because most of the tourists wouldn't either believe it or it wouldn't bother them. That's it. Yeah, right? wouldn't, wouldn't pick up the on Thai it. Thai people, they'd be very angry. They'd want their money back. Like, right. Because they do take it seriously. Oh, man. That's cool. That That's is, a good story. When I was in Morocco, that was the only real sort of uh, international travel like that I've done. Right. I was completely shut off. I had no awareness whatsoever. And that's probably a good thing. Yeah. Because that was difficult enough yeah. uh, just, just being there, you know, and then, of course, getting sick. Uh, Not helpful. So I can't imagine having to deal with that, too. I mean, uh, yeah, we had, I, I can't remember if I've said this before, but we ended up accidentally staying in a whorehouse. <laughs> As you do. And, uh, yeah, I, throwing a ghost on top of that, I think, would have been a bit much. <laughs> like a sexy ghost? Uh, well, no, they, they would have ignored us the way the prostitutes did. <laughs> That's why we didn't realize it was, why it was did a brothel. Why they ignore you? What? Because we looked poor. Wow. But then these German guys came in. They were staying there. And they were all over. Oh, yeah. So me and my, my, my cousin and I were up on the roof. This is the cousin I've met? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we were up on the roof smoking these cheap French cigarettes. Yeah. And just watching these, these women drape themselves all over these German, uh, young German backpackers. And we're thinking, okay. Something's going on. <laughs> and so we, uh, we ended up going to the, the owner of this place. We said, look, we don't want to offend you, but we're, is this a brothel? And he goes, oh, yes. You would like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Um, can we stay, keep staying here, though, because the room is cheap? And he sort of looked at us askance, turned his head to one side as though he was trying to figure out if we're joking or not. And he said, sure. And so we stayed in our brothel. We stayed in the brothel for a few more days because, hey, it was cheap. And they left you alone? Or did they- no, they ignored us completely. Really? Yep, 100%. Igno- That's weird. Like we weren't even there. I've, I've also been ignored by prostitutes in Las Vegas. Uh, but <laughs> this was, yeah. I'm not upset by this, too, to be clear. I know. It's just extraordinary. We were in the, oh, where were we? I think we were in the stratosphere. Late, late oh, one yeah, night. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know and this uh, very attractive young lady walks up to my friend and, and says, uh, you know. Asks, You're looking to party? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And he was not quite grasping what was happening, but uh, he ultimately declined. And uh, that was it. No, didn't look at me. No. I like to think they, they assume I'm too moral. Yes, and too rich. That you would have a higher class, a higher standard of woman. Yes. That's yes, it. That's what I have. That's what I think, too. Yeah, no, that makes <laughs> I can see that. Oh, sorry. they can't, but I can. Whoops. I saw that. <laughs> Didn't look. mean to roll my eyes in person. Son of a bitch. <laughs> 
this next story is kind of interesting. It deals with a subject that I don't think we've ever touched on on our show. So uh, take it away. We'll talk about it afterwards. All right. Not my story, but I am involved in a way. Several years ago, my college roommate, Evelyn, worked as the night manager for a newly built hotel. As was part of the course, I would often bring coffee in around 1 or 2 a.m. and chat for a while. One night, I showed up to find Evelyn sitting at the front desk, shaking her head and looking completely perplexed. She said she'd just checked in what could only be described as the doppelganger of our other roommate, Michelle. She said this woman was like Michelle, down to the same height, hairstyle, eye color, and even southern accent. That last part stuck out as a particularly odd coincidence as we were in the north. Evelyn tried to speak with the new guest and show her a picture of Michelle on her phone, but was rebuffed several times. We both chalked it up to coincidence as we knew Michelle was visiting her parents, and we went on to enjoy our coffee. Shortly after 2, I decided to head home. It wasn't until around 2.30 a.m. when I pulled into our garage that I checked my phone to see a series of texts from Evelyn to Michelle and I at 2.17. They said things like, stop, not funny, you guys suck, what the hell. Naturally, I was confused and called her back. This is when things got weird. Evelyn sounded hysterical on the phone. Apparently, Michelle and I, in the same clothes I wore earlier, had been standing at the end of the main hallway staring at her. Evelyn thought this was a joke and kept calling out with no response. Eventually, the front desk phone rang, and in the time it took to answer it, we had both disappeared. I calmed her down over the phone, and the next morning we talked through the possibilities trying to rationalize what she saw. The guest who looked like Michelle did come back to the front desk later that morning to inquire about some services, and much to Evelyn's surprise looked only vaguely similar. The only thing that scares me to this day, and that I never told her, is that when I got into our house, the kitchen clock was stuck on 217, and directly next to it sat a photo of Em and I smiling that I'd only developed that afternoon. Still no explanations, and nothing ever weird happened at the hotel again, but it still makes me uneasy to this day. Yeah, that's that's creepy. Yeah, doppelgangers are creepy. I mean, I, I part of me thinks doppelganger, part of me wonders if it was one of those situations where you have a couple different things that all come together at the same time. Yeah. Where but they're not actually paranormal. You know, I, I was hearing a story the other day, someone was uh, was telling a story on a podcast, and the first time I heard it, I thought, "Yeah, no, that sounds creepy." Then I heard actually listen to it again, and I thought, "No, that sounds like you had an adrenaline event accompanied by hearing animals and just making assumptions. There is a story though, in my book, Victoria's Most Haunted. Uh, One of the stories at the young building at Camosun College. Right. Uh, The woman who was walking down the hall to her office and in the windows in front of her, she could see a reflection because it was dark outside, a reflection of her friend, a fellow teacher. Right. Creeping up behind her in a comedic way, like, you know, kind of like, ooh, with his arms up. And um, she laughed and said out loud to his reflection without turning around, I can see you. And when he just about got close enough to touch her, his image just melted like a watercolor. Uh. Just gone. She spun around. Nobody was there. Holy man. What upset her was that it looked exactly like her friend. Like, what was its intention? Yeah. To sort of try and fool her. So that's what made me, it made me think of that when I read this story. Sure, yeah, yeah. What was actually happening, what was trying to communicate with Evelyn that it would wow, use Wow, yeah, that's a good point. She would have known, right? That also reminds me of a story we've talked about before on here. Uh, it was somewhere in Northern California, in, in a rural area. There was a right. family living in a compound, uh, sort of by themselves with a couple trailers in the compound. And the mother 
appeared in the yes. trailer. Yes. But they then they heard her the mother calling from the main trailer. Right. And I remember that one. The mother, the other mother, we'll call her, had that sort of mechanical sound to her. Yeah. And wanted the kids to come outside. Yeah. Which yeah. also reminds me, I don't know if you've heard this one, the missing 411 story about the kid who got lost in the woods, ended up in a cave, and he found his grandmother. Wow. He claims that his grandmother was there, but she sounded funny. Wow. And she she actually made him, as he says, poop on a piece of paper. Weird. And then, he, you know, eventually he was found and, of course, told the story and it didn't make any sense then. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I don't like to think about that too much. No. <laughs> Yikes. So this is a short one, uh, but I thought it was worth including. Right here at work, a few nights ago during the night shift... I was typing up an email to a customer and saw something out of the corner of my eye. I ignored it for a moment and kept working. Then it sunk in. Someone was staring at me through the window. As I turned my head, they slowly walked out of my view towards the parking lot. So I hauled ass outside to confront them and they were gone. Not a soul in sight for miles. Wow. I couldn't shake the feeling I was being watched the rest of the night. (laughs) Yikes. That's the other thing when you work in a hotel. You're there all night. Oh, yeah. Right? And um, things happen in that stillness that you maybe don't notice otherwise. Uh, This one is from the Hotel St. Marie in New Orleans. Which is a deeply, deeply troubled city. Oh, oh, God, yeah. No, it's... uh, We... I'd actually like to do a store, a, a, an episode just on New Orleans. Oh, easy. You know, because yeah. it's, uh, yeah, deeply troubled, deeply, uh, deeply scary, you yeah. know. Uh, I want to go. I've never been. Oh, you've never been? No. I oh, wanna, okay. My goals are go to New Orleans and Savannah, Georgia. I want to do a ghost walk in Savannah, Georgia. Because mm. it's supposed to be the most haunted city in North America. Yes, definitely. Oh, which reminds me, uh, going back to the last story before I start this one, sorry, the Thailand story. Yeah. The, they woke up and all the lights were on. Well, if you remember back to our episode on uh, where we talked about the book America's Haunted Hotels, that happened to the author. Oh, right. Uh, yes. Jamie Whitmer, the spirit has been harassing her. Yeah. And she, her husband is away. She woke up to find every light in the house on. All right. So this is from the Hotel St. Marie in New Orleans. This story happened to me and my friends Angela and Terry during our stay at the Hotel St. Marie. Prior to it happening, we had stayed several days at this hotel with no incident. At around 9 p.m., we were listening to music as we prepared to head on on the town. I was sitting at the end of my bed when the top drawer of the nightstand flew open all by itself. I shouted a certain four-letter word and let the girls know what happened. (laughs) They said I must have accidentally kicked it open with the sole of my shoe, but I knew better. I hadn't moved and was sitting on the edge of, pardon me, and was sitting on the edge, so my feet were on the floor. I thought it was a little odd, but I forgot about it because we were headed out to Bourbon Street, which is the worst place on earth, but that's another (laughs) conversation. Before anyone blames what happened next on alcohol, we had to fly home the next day, so none of us hit the bottle hard that night. We were still sober by the end of the evening. We finished our night on the town around 2.30 a.m., and both Angela and I crashed as soon as we got back. Terry stayed up a while longer to watch television, finally turning it off around 3 a.m. It was cold during our visit to New Orleans, and that extended to our room, so we had the heater on blast the whole time we were there. So imagine Terry's surprise when, as she lay there nodding off in the dark, she was startled fully awake by a cold breeze on her left cheek. Oh, no. She felt it again like a breath but ice cold. She started to get an eerie feeling, so she turned to the, pardon me, so she turned on the lamp between the beds and was surprised when it didn't wake up either Angela or me. About 10 minutes after she had turned on the light, Terry noticed Angela, who was lying to her left, started writhing in bed, and her hands started making a scary finger-tapping, flexing movement, 
and appeared as though they were clawing at something she couldn't see. <sighs> Angela's breathing became labored, almost like she was choking, and Terry tried to wake her up but couldn't. Oh, no. Her intervention did seem to stop the choking, though, and Angela went back to a normal sleep. But no sooner had Angela stopped writhing, clawing, and gasping for air than I started. She said this went on for several minutes. Nice friend, right? <laughs> and then stopped. When I stopped, Angela started again. Wow. According to Terry, this continued alternating between the two of us all night. <gasps> she was so frightened she didn't go back to sleep and turned oh, the TV on. No. When I woke up, I couldn't figure out why not only the TV was on, but all the lights. And well, I guess now I know. Wow. I don't know what would be worse. You wake up and all the lights are on or you wake up and can't turn any of the lights on? The latter. The I would be much more happy waking up with all the lights on. 100%. Than not being able to chase away the darkness. That oh, yeah. freak me out I, I remember being alone in my house back home uh, one night when there was an incredible storm. And with this mighty just crash, yeah. all the power in the house went off. Right. All the power in the house. And it felt like something was right next to me. Oh, no. And I, there was nothing I could do because the whole town was dark. I ran downstairs out into the yard. Just to get away from Just to get away from the dark about. Yeah. I, um, I actually thought I was just scared of the dark um, until I moved into my last house. And um, in both, in any house I've lived in, including the one I grew up in, uh, I was very careful about leaving a trail of lights on ahead of me. Right. And I would turn them off as I would go and then basically shut myself in my bedroom for the night and not come out, including my one to the last house. Moving into the latest house, it was a uh, hundred years old. So you would assume <laughs> right. something would be there. But I got up in the night to do something and I had to go in the basement to do it. And I remember not even thinking about turning on a light. I was completely comfortable. I walked through the house. I went downstairs. I did what I had to do, came back up and got back into bed and then went, oh, wait a minute. I And I realized I hadn't turned on any lights. Didn't bother you at all. Didn't bother me at all. So it seems to be more about what else is in the sure. house yeah. that I'm not even aware I'm picking up on. Um, and in this, in that house, I never once in five years felt anything uncomfortable. Interesting. And, yeah. and that reminds me of, again, in my house, because there were times where I would be on the couch or working or whatever yeah, yeah. and the, 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 till the sun went down yeah. and I would get up and walk and I could make myself tea in the dark yeah, without yeah. seeing anything. Yeah. Didn't bother me. Yeah. But then some nights were different. I know. I, and I had this conversation once with, um, with Vanessa, my publicist from Llewellyn. Right. And we were talking about that, about the different kinds of dark. And yes. when I pointed that out, she sort of went, you're right. It had never occurred to her, but there are very, very different kinds of dark. Well, and even uh, in the place I'm living now, I'm staying with my friend in her condo. Right. Some nights are fine. Right. Other nights, we're absolutely not alone here. Wow. Um, so she calls him Josh. Right. Uh, and he makes noises and he clunks things in the kitchen. And we'll be sitting on the couch. Right. And we'll hear things clunking around the kitchen. And the first time it happened, I looked at her and she's like, oh, it's just Josh. Like, it doesn't bother her at all. Right. Um, but he used to do a little more, like turn the TV on and off and make lights go on and off and stuff. And I'm grateful he's not done that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never felt threatened by him. He's just sort of curious as to what I'm doing. Right. And that, that runs us in stark contrast to this next story where people were not welcome. So again, this is another one in New Orleans, because as we mentioned, very haunted city. Being that I have friends in New Orleans, I tend to visit there a lot. On this particular trip, I was traveling with folks who'd never been before, and I declined to do the usual tourist stuff with them in favor of seeing my friends. 
That meant I ended up spending more time than usual alone in our hotel room, which was a two-story suite. The entire stay, I felt uneasy. I saw nothing, but the presence of others all through the suite and knew something did not want me there. It's difficult to explain, as I heard no actual voices, yet I clearly heard, or maybe it's better to say felt, things like, don't come in here, you shouldn't be here, go away, and things of that nature. One night I returned to the empty suite, and as I started to walk up the stairs to the bathroom, I could feel the morning me that I really should not go up there. I was so frightened as I approached that I could hardly move. I turned, ran down the stairs to the outside, and stayed there till my friends got back. The feelings continued for me the remainder of our stay, and so I made sure to never go upstairs alone. After taking a shower on the last day of our visit, I began to exit the bathroom, and all those warnings were repeated. I couldn't understand why until I realized all my friends were down in the courtyard, and I was alone with whatever was in that room. Thank God there was a balcony off the bath where I could yell to the courtyard and ask a friend to come help me down. (laughs) <laughs> that would be an awkward conversation. Would it ever? <laughs> On the last day, I shared my experiences with the other four, only to learn that two others had had similar feelings. Again, only those who have experienced this type of thing can understand how, although nothing was spoken, so much was said. Needless to say, I have since always chosen other hotels and other streets. Yeah, no kidding. I love that line. How, though nothing was spoken, so, so much, much was, was said. said. That yes. Is so true. That'd be a good button. <laughs> so much. Yes, nothing spoken. So, so much, much said. said. I love that. To the Etsy store. Yeah. <laughs> this next one comes from another uh, poor sucker stuck working the front desk at night. He says, I work at the front desk. About an hour after checking a guest in, she came back downstairs asking to be moved. Mm-hmm. She, <laughs> she happened to be in a room that connected to another. After getting settled in, she said she started to hear noises coming from next door, which weren't a concern until the other people tried to open their connecting door, which led into her room. Not cool. The gap between her door and the frame was just wide enough to see a sliver into the other room, so when she went over to tell the other person to stop, curiosity got the best of her, and she peeked through. She saw a man staring at her from the other side. She told him to cut it out, and he just stood there at the door trying to handle every once in a while. Not wanting to deal with it anymore, she came down and asked to be moved away from this creepy dude. Yeah. Understandable. So I checked the computer and I noticed there is no guest registered in that room. Oh my God. So either someone at the front desk goofed and didn't complete check-in or someone is in the hotel that shouldn't be. No one answered when I called the room, so I sent security up. He called from the room saying that no one was in there. Wow. Our engineer happened to be at the front desk when I was discussing all this with another agent. And he mentioned that he had to go into that room to fix something. Well, mystery solved. He was in there fixing the door, making a racket, spooking this poor woman. Except it wasn't like that because he was never able to get into the room. Oh my God. Because the door lock wouldn't, wouldn't work. work even with his master key card. Yep. Over the course of the night, nothing else happened and no mystery man was ever found. The guest was a regular, so I didn't think she was screwing with us. Although I'm sure she could have just seen something in the shadows or whatever. But I don't think so. Have you seen that clip um, of a hotel room where they get complaints about a woman screaming and loud thumping? No. They send security up, and it's all—it's got the radio back and forth with security. Right. And she says to him, "There's no one in that room. There's no one checked in there. You—I don't want you going in there. This is the security guy. We'll call the police. They're on their way." Because it was quite violent and loud. Um, he's like, "No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine." So he goes up. He goes in the room. You hear noises and you see him run backwards out of the room into the hallway 
And he's talking to the front desk. He's like, the shower's on full blast. All the lights are on. There's nobody in here. There's been nobody in here. Huh. And um, and it's got video, like closed circuit TV on it, on the door. And then as he backs out and he's got his back up against the wall, uh, you see something come out of the doorway and the light sconces in the hallway flicker as this thing shoots past. Really? Yeah. This and is meant to be a legitimate clip. As far as I know, um, it's one of the most compelling I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's intense. And it's funny because like I said, she said, don't go in the room, wait for the police. Right. He just couldn't do it. He went in there and then he instantly regretted it. So hard pass. Yeah. So this next story comes from the Philippines and, uh, it's from the diplomat hotel, which was, I think originally uh, a hotel and then was converted and and then lay in ruins for a long time. I think it's maybe a resort now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's always said to be haunted and, and there are a lot of conflicting stories about why the diplomat is haunted. It's, it's allegedly the site of a massacre of Catholics by Japanese soldiers during World War II. Oh, wow. But I don't know if that's right. I'm not sure the history of when the Japanese invaded. I can't remember specifically. Uh, but from what I could find, it seemed like when Japan first invaded the Philippines, they occupied the churches, but they were open to working with religious community. Oh, okay. Uh, but by 1945, they abandoned that as they got more desperate. Mm-hmm. And so they started interning Christians in Manila. Right. And now uh, I do know that during the Battle of Manila in March 1940, or which, pardon me, which ended in March 1945, it was discovered that the Japanese army had massacred 100,000 Philippine civilians. Holy cats. Yeah. It didn't, I couldn't find anything that specifically said they targeted Catholics in this case. Now, like you, you and I know, I mean, we've, we saw the Martin Scorsese's uh, yeah. silence and, you know, I mean, that's historical fiction, but yeah, yeah. it reflects uh, the Japanese, the Japan's very dim attitude towards Christianity. Absolutely. Uh, up until the um, sort of the modern era. Yeah. So I don't know that this is why it is haunted. Uh, but that is one of the stories. I, I think right. it's a little bit of Povelia syndrome. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it be- happened somewhere, so let's attach it to this site. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Because uh, there are other stories about the diplomat where people talk about um, hearing crying at the fountain. And right. that story is because allegedly the Japanese massacred children at that fountain. And so I think it's what I think it's a, the kind of situation where, and I could be wrong. Again, mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. I did a little bit of research into this, but I couldn't do a deep dive. I think it's a case where what the Japanese did to the Philippines was so traumatic. Yeah. You just apply that anywhere there is something unusual happening yeah, and it becomes a handy explanation. Makes sense. E- even if it didn't necessarily happen there. Like what we do with First Nations burial. Graves. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In North American culture, we tend to use that brush quite a bit. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So this is a story from the Diplomat Hotel in, uh, I think, Baguio. I'm, we're going to get this wrong. We are. A few years back when the Diplomat Hotel in Baguio was not yet open to the public, I and seven of my friends sneaked past security to go spook ourselves out. It was almost midnight on October 30th, 2003. Well, perfect timing. The time, the damp, chilly weather, and the fact that we were all sneaking past the guards added to each and everyone's excitement. We took a path on the side of a building near the Diplomat Hotel's main entrance. This was shown to us by one of my friends who'd been here previously. Then we had to traverse a steep ravine and climb a barbed wire fence. Once in, we all took long breaths of relief because we were able to get past the guards without being seen. Nothing out of the ordinary happened once we entered the premises. However, tension and fear was felt in the air, which sounds like it was kind of the point, right? We decided to enter through the hotel's main door leading to the fountain to offer prayers to appease the spirits. 
As we walked past the big arched windows towards the door, we noticed that another group was also inside doing the same thing and looking for the same adrenaline rush that we were after. We paid no heed and went our own way. As we reached the old fountain, that's when things started getting weird. I stayed behind as my group headed towards the fountain to offer their prayers. I was a little bit skeptical about all this, so I didn't join them in prayer. As soon as they began praying and offering candles, I felt a chill run down my spine as something touched the nape of my neck. I had goosebumps all over and felt a sudden heaviness on my shoulders. This heavy feeling, something that felt like carrying a backpack full of school books and then some, was felt by me all throughout that whole evening. I felt nauseous and my head suddenly felt prickling pain as well. At this moment, I ran to join my group as they were about to finish their prayers. I didn't tell them anything because I thought it was just the weather that was getting to me. After touring to the first floor, we made our way to the staircase, and there beside it was an arch where a door was once. A friend pointed out that a shadow of a big man was reflecting on the walls in front of the arch. No one dared to look where the shadow was coming from. The girls in the group started shrieking and begging us not to go on with the tour. However, afraid of being called losers or chickens, some of the males in the group ordered us to go on. Yeah, that seems well, I feel like this is very similar to what we were talking about. It, it is very similar, yeah. It's that sort of male ego thing that makes us do stupid things. <laughs> Three of us, myself included, decided to try and find the source of the shadow as the rest of the group made their way upstairs to wait on the landing. As we walked under the arch, a cold swoosh of air welcomed us. This time, my friends also felt that same heavy feeling I had felt. Then, mysteriously and eerily, we heard the voice of a man. It sounded like a cross between a bad radio signal and a drunken man's slur. It was like he was warning us to not go on. We took his warning, and we did not go on searching for the shadow's source. As brave as we were, sometimes when battling the unknown, it's best to leave and retreat. Or, or drunk people in an alley. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I feel like that's another pin right there. It, yeah. Sometimes when battling the unknown, it is best to leave and retreat. We've got some good lines out of this. We really do. <laughs> As we joined the other members of our group, we found our friend Nikki crying on the stairs. It was hours later, once we were away from the hotel, that she agreed to tell us why she had been crying. She says she saw a priest. The man was standing there, staring at her, and then he vanished into thin air. As we made our way out and reached the hotel's backyard, I noticed that I had lost my cell phone. Oh, no. Oh. That's not good. <laughs> I'd be like, well, time to get a new phone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it had been secured to my belt via a leather belt holster with magnetic flaps. Sounds geeky. Three of us went back into the hotel to look for it, but couldn't find anything. I gave up because it was getting late and our friends were looking for us. We continued the tour by entering a path, going to the farthest side of the hotel's lot. There we found a wall bordering the residential area behind the hotel. As we circled around it, we heard what sounded like a ringing phone, but couldn't find where it was coming from. One of my friends pointed out what looked like the shadow we'd seen earlier, this time in front of a huge pine tree. The shadow then vanished, and as it did, a cold wind blew past us. In Philippine folklore, it said that huge trees may be a dwelling place of spirits. So we approached it, and as we did, we heard the sound of a phone again, then saw a light amid the tree's roots. It was my phone. Huh. How it got there, I don't know. As I breathed out a sigh of relief, Claire mentioned that the other group we met on our way in was nowhere to be seen. As we pondered this, we realized that we didn't bump into them the whole time we were in the building. Again, aside from that moment, we met them as we went in. This left us spooked, so we decided to call it a night and leave the hotel premises immediately. 
Now, there's a lot more to the story. The story gets kind of wordy and unnecessary. Okay. Uh, but they ran into a security guard on the way out. Right. Who had not seen another group at all. Oh. Neither entering nor leaving. Wow. Which just again, it, it kind of sounds like the doppelganger thing. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and you, what was trying, was it trying to make them feel more comfortable? Sort of luring them in like, oh, there's already a group here. Everything's fine. That's it. Yeah. Who knows, right? Another story. Got into a lift from the top floor to head down. The lift stopped at the fourth floor. The door opened. I saw people standing still, making no attempt to come in, despite me being alone inside. And there was room for them. The automatic lift door then closed, and before it was completely shut, I heard someone outside say, Why is the lift so full of people? Sheesh. Yep. Because you're inside it now, and you're not getting out until you get to where you're going. Short but effective. That's terrifying. That is terrifying. And because you don't know if they're playing with you. No. You know, if they're... But why wouldn't they get on? Well, that's... Yeah, I don't know. That's... uh, That is weird. I feel that way in the uh, parking garage elevator. Oh, that in the AIDS parkade? I do not like that. Elevator. No, no, no. Well, it always smells urine for one thing. Well, there's that. Um, but also that garage is reputedly haunted. I've heard that from three different people who've worked there. Really? Oh, yeah. Big time. Interesting. Uh, one guard had someone essentially follow him while he walked around at 2 o'clock in the morning. He, wow. He heard someone just behind him walking along behind him. He'd turn around. Nothing there. Well, I mean, our, our old studio was right next door. Oh, yeah. Bastion Square all the deeply, thing, deeply haunted. Yeah, yeah. All the things that happened to us there, I'm not surprised. Yep. Uh, which reminds me, speaking of things that happened to, to us or people we know, uh, I don't know if I followed up on the story that my friend told me about cleaning houses. I don't know if I mentioned that on the show. Oh, you didn't do the follow-up. You told me. Right. Okay. Right. So uh, a couple episodes ago, or last episode, I mentioned that a friend of mine was cleaning a house out in Langford when they were cleaning a mirror with headphones in. Yeah. They saw a woman standing behind Yeah. Them, and they jumped and they went, oh. And so they turned around, took their headphones out to say, I didn't realize there was anyone else here. Yeah. There was no one there. But wow. about four to five feet away from them, there was this person-shaped object that looked like it was made of opaque glass. Wow. So that happened a little while ago. Yeah. Well, recently they were, they went, because they clean this house every week. Yeah. They went back there and... As it turns out, they happened to run into the husband as he was on his way out. Right. And they were, you know, making polite chit chat when the husband said he was surprised to see her because he said he had been working in the backyard earlier. He turned to look and he saw a woman standing in the house. Right. He assumed it was my friend there to clean. Yikes. Yeah. So So, this guy does not know his house is haunted. No. it, It was interesting. She said that when he, when he said this. It was almost like he surprised himself by saying it. Right. As though he hadn't intended to bring it up. So I think he's maybe aware of... testing her to see if she's... I wonder, yeah. She didn't mention anything because it's an odd thing to bring up with employers. Yeah. But, uh, (laughs) yeah. Wow. Makes you wonder. Yeah. So next one is about a place near and dear to my heart. That's Southern California. I used to work in a hotel in Southern California doing security. Every night we would get a printout of what rooms were vacant and it was my job to go through all the rooms and sure all the lights are off and all the windows were secure. I went into one room and found all the lights on, typical of housekeeping after they clean. (laughs) I started turning the lights off from the left side of the room, around to the windows and up to the bathroom. The bathroom has French style doors that open outward toward the room. The doors themselves have only hinges and two handles to pull them open. No other device is attached. The doors are also the very lightweight slatted wood kind. I opened the left door out all the way so I could reach around it and turn the light off in the bathroom. After turning the light off, I realized it was freezing in the room, which is not uncommon being housekeeping likes it cold when they work. 
I reached for the thermostat. When I was within four inches of it, the left door I just opened at the bathroom slammed shut. Oh, no. Terrified, I ran out of the room immediately. Yep. <laughs> While pulling the door shut behind me, the deadbolt pushed itself out of the lock and sla- so the door slammed into the door frame instead of closing. Oh, my God. I was petrified when I had to reach inside the door to disengage it. I stood there for a minute or two with my eyes watering, wondering what had just happened. Yeah. I decided to go back in and look to be sure. I went in, looked at the door, and it was shut. I moved it around to see if it would close on its own. It would not. I tried throwing the door to slam it, and the door is so lightweight it caught a lot of air and wouldn't even shut all the way after oh throwing it closed. Oh, my Lord. As far as I can see, there isn't any explanation for what happened. So I stopped going into that room. <laughs> that would be my personal solution, that, too. That would also be my plan. Wow. Forget that noise. Was, you set some stage on fire, throw it in there like a hand grenade, slam the door <laughs> shut behind you. Right. I don't think that would really work, but worth, yeah. Well, it's worth better than going back in there, uh, I think. Yeah, especially by yourself. Hoy. Our next story is up from uh, Colorado, which already has the Outlook Hotel, right? Is oh, the, uh, the Stanley. It was, Stanley. It, it was the Outlook in the in the Shining. In the movie, right. The Overlook. Wasn't it the Overlook or the Outlook? Oh, you're right. It was the, the Overlook. Overlook. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. So the Stanley Hotel, of course, famous in Colorado. And here's another hotel in Colorado. In the early 90s, I worked as a sous chef at the Hotel Colorado in Glenwood Springs. The employees there went to great lengths to tell me all the juicy ghost stories associated with the place. Forbidden rooms, labyrinth basements, hauntings, etc. I never really paid it any mind. But towards the end of my tenure there, two very specific incidences led me to seek employment elsewhere. The kitchen in this place was built in the late 18th century, so think big, very tall ceilings and damn near ancient fittings and equipment. The first incident happened late at night, on what we used to call the bar line. It was a small kitchen off the main kitchen galley. They had a late party in the bar, and I was finishing up a long day's shift. I had made an etouffee for the party that night and had to clean up a big-ass old pot. I'd already finished everything else, cleanup-wise, so all I had left to do was dry and hang the said big-ass old pot. The bar line had an overhead pot hangy thingy with giant hooks to hold the pots by the handles. These hooks were four to five inches deep and could have been used to hang beef. I dried the pot, slipped it up on the hook, and made my way around the corner to the break room to clock out and grab my shit. I'm the only one left in the kitchen, so I go through and start to turn off the lights and make my way to the back delivery door. As I laid my hand on the doorknob, a tremendous clang shot through the whole kitchen. It sounded like a cannon had gone off and made me jump about three and a half feet off the ground. My heart is racing and my mind is going a mile a minute. I immediately turn all the lights back on and give out the old anyone there call. No one was there. I grabbed the biggest butcher knife we had, affectionately named Old Choppy, and started (laughs) to slowly ninja my way back through the galley, seeking out whatever the hell had made that sound. After a brief but thorough search, I determined that it must have come from the bar line. Great. Nothing like a blind corner and creepy-ass activity to make a man feel special. I slowly, and I mean slowly, made my way around the corner with the ever-faithful Choppy guiding the way. Lo and behold, the pot I'd hung up was laying on the ground. I look up at the hook, and all is well. How the fuck did that thing jump (laughs) off a five-inch hook? I was really, really disturbed by this. I picked up the pot, hung it on the hook, on the opposite side of the pot hanger, and quickly made my way out. Here's the kicker. As I locked the door from outside, boom, the sound of a pot hitting the ground, but muffled through a locked door, rings across the dark and empty parking lot. Like any smart man, I immediately noped the fuck out of there and went home, 
And it wasn't until I got into bed that I realized I had the breakfast shift the next day. Oh, man. <laughs> so that means he'd be the first one in there in the morning. Oh, yeah. The next morning, it got in around 6, and I went to check on the pot on the hook, and it was still on the hook. I made every effort from that moment forward to never be on the bar line alone. The second incident, however, was enough to make me quit. Yikes. We had a crazy day of prep ahead of us, and we had multiple functions that weekend, including our famous Sunday brunch in the Colorado room. The head chef asked me to come in super early that Sunday so we could be ready for the two parties and the brunch. I arrived around 4.30 in the morning with reinforcements scheduled at 5.30, so I immediately went... <laughs> this guy's He's so a chef. <laughs> so I immediately went into assholes and elbows mode as I had a mountain of shit to get done. I was working on the main line, which faces the Colorado room's main serving doors. However, the line itself faces back into the kitchen galley, so that your back is to the dining room while working on the line. I'm deep into work mode when weird sounds start to penetrate my veil of concentration. It sort of sounds like kids playing in the dining room. My subconscious mind immediately discounts this as, not my problem, and I don't even break my stride on the line. Definitely a cook. Yeah. After a few moments, a niggling thought is itching my brain that just won't go away. I distinctly remember a feeling of wrongness slowly descend upon me. And then it hit me. What the hell are kids doing playing in the Colorado room at 4.30ish in the morning? I instantly had that cold, icy feeling shoot up my spine. And then just out of the corner of my vision, I see the door to the Colorado room swing open just a bit. And I begin to hear the unmistakable sounds of a rubber ball bouncing into the kitchen. As I swing my gaze quickly to the left, I see a red rubber kickball clear as day bound into the galley with the far-off sound of children's laughter floating through the Colorado room. I just froze. I have never been that freaked out in my entire life. My breath came in ragged gasps, and I stood rooted to the spot. I must have stood stock still for a full minute, and then I hear the rear doors open and the sound of familiar voices. My reinforcements were there. I have never been more relieved to hear other people's voices than in that moment. The girl who was helping me that morning makes her way to the main line. She immediately stops in her tracks when she sees me, and I shit you not says, you look like you've just seen a ghost. I quickly retell the tale, and me and her and the prep boys search the galley for the ball to no avail, and then turn the lights in the Colorado room to full-on blazing-ass daytime. <laughs> and go figure, no ghost children. I put my two weeks' notice in the following day. The manager of the hotel asked me to sit down with him a few days later after I inquired about a reference. He had heard my tale and wanted to chat me up about it, and boy did he have a tale to tell. I thought that I'd heard all the tales associated with the alleged haunting of the Hotel Colorado, but apparently she still keeps some secrets. It turns out that not long after the hotel opened, a little girl accidentally chased her red ball off a fifth floor balcony and fell to her death. She's seen frequently on the fifth floor in Victorian dress and has even reportedly played catch with some of the guest children. Her red ball was famous among workers of the hotel in previous generations, and its ghostly appearance frequented the banquet rooms, and yes, the kitchens too. Tell me that when I start working there. <laughs> Don't spring that on me. That's not okay. But if you're the manager, you want to keep employees, so... Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're not really going to... Is it better to be forewarned, or... That's a good point. I don't know. Would I want to be forewarned? I think then I'd be looking for it. So then I would be more inclined to make something yeah, or nothing. I would too. I would yeah. too. And then I would probably freak myself out worse. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So it seems like uh, if you want to find a spirit, sometimes hotels are, are the way to go. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, actually, I remember when I stayed at the uh, the Pat in yep. Vancouver yeah. uh, last year. 
I walked into my room, lovely room. Yeah. Well, okay, no, it's, it's Patricia. It's a dump, but it was nice for me. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. have low standards for hotels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you specified. But uh, I walked into the room and immediately got dizzy. Wow. And I and and I said, look, I got to be here. You can stay, but you can't bother me. And, you know, I had some of my best sleeps in that room. Interesting. Yep. Didn't didn't have the dizziness again, and I slept really well. Wow. Which is unusual for me in yeah. a haunted place. Yeah, I mean, yeah. when I stayed at the Copper King bed and breakfast in Butte, Montana. <sighs> yes, you told that story. That. Yeah, I didn't oh. sleep at all. And what about in the um, Borden house? How did you sleep? Oh, the short the short version is I didn't. Yeah. Um, I'm going to uh, I'm actually going to tell that story just after the break because we had uh, a listener wanted to know. Excellent. So coming up after the break, some listener mail and the tale of Lizzie Bordenhouse. Welcome back. Well, that was haunted hotels. That was uh, that was a lot of fun. That was. All uh, right. So we're going to get into some listener mail, and then we had a special request as well. So we mm-hmm. will get to that. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call twenty four hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. Before we get started with the listener mail, I Ian and I have been talking about this, and it's funny we never thought we'd have this problem. <laughs> We are receiving a, a lot more email than we used to. A lot, like every day. And so it's we really aren't going to be able to sort of go through every email the way we have. No. Uh, but we want to make sure that you all know how much we appreciate your messages. So we're going to we're still going to go through them, but more in a, a list format, mm-hmm. I think. So uh, we had a, a bunch of stories, which is awesome. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. So we want to thank. Kara from Equinox Paranormal in Florida, who's given us some stories for our Florida episode when that comes. Andrew, Lydia, who sent us a story from Wiedemann Hill Carriage House. Flo, for, with some a story from the Middle East, which I'm looking forward to getting to. I haven't yeah, had a chance to read it yet, yeah. but I'm looking forward to doing that episode. And, and Teresa from Peculiar Mayhem. On the Straight Up Messages side, we want to thank Patricia, Martha, David, Nan. Nan was very nice. Mm-hmm. Andrea, Erica, Jessica, Chris, Sarah, and Jackie. Yeah, Jackie, <laughs> tickle butt. I love that. I, I did like that. I, this one I have to share. Uh, she says, I seriously get tickle butt every time my phone pings an alert that a new episode is uploaded. What is tickle butt, you ask? It's when you get so excited that your butt clenches up, like full body excitement. <laughs> you know the feeling I'm talking about. And I, uh, I can't say I've necessarily ever experienced that, but maybe mm-hmm. I haven't lived. Maybe you just have not found your true joy. That's it. Yeah. I'll know when I get the tickle butt. I think so. <laughs> Please don't tell me. <laughs> No deal. <laughs> <laughs> we sold a couple more, a couple books through the yeah, mail, which was yeah, great. Yeah, and um, there's a new way to do that, right? There's a couple different ways to do that. Yeah. So if you want to buy a signed copy of our book, um, a strange little place, or whatever the hell it is he wrote, Victoria's Most Haunted, sure, our superior book. Mm, okay. No. Are we saying superior? Yeah. <laughs> Are we saying superior? The quality of the paper is nice. <laughs> Cover is lovely. It is lovely. It is lovely. Yeah. Uh, but you can email us at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com and we can actually sell them to you directly. Mm-hmm. We have a Square account now so we can just charge you for the books. We charge $20 Canadian per book and uh, then shipping on top of that. Shipping to the States seems to be about 20 bucks for two books. Yeah. 
Uh, and weirdly, also to Canada. Which makes no sense. No, I know. We had someone buy uh, two books recently, and yeah, it cost me just as much to ship them to Ontario as it did to Maryland. So weird. Go figure. Uh, but also, we have pins, which uh, we were going to be selling at the market. Uh, which we week. will in July. We, we absolutely will yeah. in July, yes. Uh, if you want to buy the pins, you can find them at ghoststoryguys.bigcartel.com. The pins are two fifty each, and that is, I believe, in your local currency it charges. Right. Uh, it might be Canadian. I'm not 100%. But then uh, shipping will be a little bit more. We're still working that out, but if you... Uh, Want to check it out? That's where you go. Uh, and also, if you want to buy any clothes, uh, any Ghost Story Guys merch, you can find that at ghoststoryguys.threadless.com. Cool. We are we are working on a way to amalgamate all these things, yes. but because we make the pin, or we, you know, we, the pins are in our possession, whereas Threadless is print on demand. Yeah, uh, it's a little more. Um, it's a little more. Uh, yeah, and also. One last thing, as far as selling stuff goes. We promise we'll stop trying to sell you things shortly. Uh, we found a solution for our Canadian listeners. Yeah. Because we have a lot of folks who listen to the show from Canada, and they wanted to buy merch, but it is prohibitively expensive to buy it from the Threadless store. Yeah. I, even I have that problem. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we've set up a Redbubble store, and that will charge you in Canadian dollars, and it is considerably cheaper to ship. I want to say it's about... Uh, uh, 40% of the cost of That's Threadless. Huge. Yeah, it's yeah. And, and especially when you consider you, then you don't have to factor in exchange. Yeah. So we don't have a direct link for that yet, but uh, we've posted that on the Facebook page. And if you go to our Facebook page, which is, of course, facebook.com slash guys, and click the Shop Now link, that will take you to the Redbubble store. Oh, cool. Good solution. So that's uh, that's all set there. And now with that, we'll stop trying to sell you things. We, <laughs> we promise. Although we will say if you do buy something, let us know. And uh, we'll send you a couple stickers as Very a thank cool. you. And of course, I don't if, even have those stickers. No, that's true. No. I am the keeper no. of the stickers. I know, and they're not for sale. You have no. to. They that's are right. only available as a thank you. Uh, we had our first market appearance, or you did? Yes, like, with Barbara. Yes, and how'd that go? It was excellent. That's great. Yeah, we sold some books. We made some new friends. Uh, I got to eat good food, which is the sole reason I go to the market. Of course. So mini donuts and burgers. I was a happy man. So yeah, no. And we're going to be there again July 19th, Thursday, July 19th from about 5.30 until 8.30. Excellent. And Sydney I, Market. And I will be there this time. I was. I got, I got sick last time, so I've... I don't get sick very often, but I, I was just completely felled. It was not good. You were sick for like a week. Yeah, almost. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if you missed that one, we are also going to be there at the very last Sydney market on August 30th. Nice. Yeah. And, and I, I figured that would be a good one to go to because it's the last one. This is, yeah, absolutely. Nope. We'll be there stuffing our faces and uh, we'll have pins for sale there too. And yeah. Come on by and say hi. Oh, and I almost forgot our special request. Right. So I had a message on Instagram a couple weeks ago now. I keep forgetting. Right. Uh, from the account Punch Loves Judy. Okay. And uh, I'm sorry I don't know your real name, but uh, I was asked about my experience at Lizzie Borden House. Which was pretty intense. It was, yeah. yeah. And so I'm just going to, I've told this on, on a previous episode, but I couldn't remember which one. So I'm just going to tell it again here I'm real quick. I'm shocked that you can't remember which one. Because <laughs> you're pretty good at that. Yeah, well, I have, have my moments. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, no, I stayed at Lizzie Borden House in 2014. I don't remember the month. Lizzie Borden House is in Fall River, Massachusetts. Right. And, of course, for those of you who don't know the story, it is the home of where the Lizzie, favorite, very famous Lizzie Borden murders were committed. Yeah. Where, you know, Lizzie Borden was alleged to have killed her father and her, I believe, her stepmother. Yeah. With an axe. So that's a, it's a bed and breakfast now, and it's in Southern Massachusetts. I happen to be passing through Southern Massachusetts because... I was helping a friend move from Austin, Texas to Boston. Uh, at the same time, I'd been reading Christopher Balzano's Ghosts of the Bridgewater Triangle, and we'd been checking out haunted spots along the way, and Lizzie Borden was in there. So, 
we paid the exorbitant amount. <laughs> I'm sure for that. I want to say it was two hundred and fifty dollars. Holy it was crap! A lot of money. Uh, and it was. I tell you right now, it's not worth it. No, it's about five when we checked in. Right. So we we were up right up on the third floor, and the house was fully booked, save for one room. Okay. So we were up in the attic. Um, I say attic; it's a completed floor now. Right. There's three, three, three bedrooms upstairs. Pack them in. Exactly. So we dropped our stuff. We started heading back downstairs to go for dinner. Right. We got to the second floor landing, and I saw someone standing in the bedroom. Uh, at the end of the hallway. So I turned to say hi. There's no one there. Oh, wow. And I thought, well, I'm I'll probably just a match. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So we went for dinner and we arranged to be back in time for the tour to start at 8 because they give all the all the residents a tour, all the guests a tour at 8 p.m. Right. The first thing that I was surprised by was how much they embraced the paranormal part of that le- that house's legacy. Interesting. I expected it to be more of a true crime thing. I didn't right. think it would, they would sort of engage with the spiritual stuff. Right. But did they ever? Uh, people have seen shadow people in there. People have uh, had a, a range of experiences. And as they were showing us around, I noticed the smell of what I thought was gas. Okay. Like an eggy smell. Right. But no one else said anything, so I kept it to myself. At the end of the tour, we were all sitting in the uh, the sitting room. or the, we, Sorry, we were all sitting in the sort of the parlor. And I, again, I was surprised by how social a thing it was. Right. Uh, so we're sitting around chatting about our experiences and there's one, uh, girl, she's sitting on the floor and her boyfriend is a quite a large fella and he was sitting in the, the sitting room away from everyone else. Right. So we're talking about experiences and some people had stayed at this house before, uh, the girl and her boyfriend had stayed here before and another couple, uh, Danielle and Matt have uh, stayed there before, but Danielle and Matt had had no experiences there. Whereas this girl said on our last trip here, my boyfriend saw a little boy run out of the room, up one of the rooms in the attic, oh, and then disappear. Let me guess which room. <laughs> it, it, was, it wasn't ours, actually. It was, oh, okay. it was the one they were staying in. Okay, good. So I was curious why he wasn't telling the story. So I went into the sitting room, and I, I started a conversation with this guy. And he was a cool guy. His name was John. He's originally from Trinidad. Right. And he was. He told me a little bit about his life, and he had, basically, if, if he claims that he sees spirits everywhere. Right. That they try to talk to him, but it scares him, so he doesn't communicate because he wow. doesn't know what they want or yeah. what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He told me also that his parents had thrown him out of the house when he was a young boy because of this. Oh, jeez. Because they thought he was a witch. Oh, no. So we had a great conversation. We I avoided the living room at this point. John and I just really clicked, and yeah. so we were chatting all night. I said, there's something here, but it has nothing to do with the Bordens. And he said, yeah. Not at all, but people assume it does. Right, of course. So as we were sitting in the we were sitting in the dining room at this point chatting, and John's girlfriend came in and asked if he, we wanted to come to the Ouija board with him <laughs> because they had two Ouija boards in the house. That's a terrible idea. Oh, I know. So everyone went upstairs. We declined, and as we were sitting there chatting, all of a sudden, a few minutes later, after everyone got upstairs, the air pressure shifted. Right. Everything got heavy. Yeah. And I started seeing white specks moving in the corner of my vision. So I said to John, I said, they've started, haven't they? And he said, oh, yeah. Oh, boy. They eventually gave up after about half an hour because they couldn't really get anything. So John's girlfriend came to collect him to go to bed. And he asked if I was coming because their room was on the third floor as well. And I said, no, I'm going to stay down here for a bit. And he looked at me and said, you sure? (laughs) And I said, yeah, I want to give my wife a call. Yeah. Uh, So... By this point, I want to say it's 
two in the morning. Right. Uh, but of course it's, you know, three hours earlier on the, on the West coast. So I call Nikki and as I'm walking around the house, chatting to her, I'm trying to take pictures to, to send to her. Like mm-hmm. the camera on my phone will not work. Weird. Every time I hit shutter, the app crashes. Wow. Every time. Crazy. Will and not- that's a pretty basic app on a phone. Yeah. And it, I had no problems with it this entire trip. We'd driven yeah. a long ways. Yeah. So finally, uh, I hung up, we had our chat and I can still smell gas yeah. and I was freaked out by it. So I went upstairs and just before I went into my room for, to, for the end of the night, I said in frustration, I said, Jesus Christ, I just want to take one picture, hit the shutter button, snap. It was a completely gray screen. There was no image whatsoever. But it let you take a picture. But it let me take a picture. Interesting. So I got into bed and I actually opened the window. Because I thought, I am not going to suffocate in this place. No. I am not going yeah. to die of asphyxiation yeah. in this dump. And so I had it, but of course then it was extremely cold. I had a horrible sleep. Yeah. Uh, so I woke up the next morning and, and I should say my phone continued to not work taking pictures. Then we left the house and we're about a hundred feet away from it. Turn yeah. around, snap, took a picture just fine. Oh my gosh. So. Crazy. Yeah. So there's, there's definitely something there. I mean, my conversation with John was quite long, yeah. but the gist of it was that there is something there, Yeah. but it's got nothing to do with the Bordens. It's something that comes there to feed on the emotional energy of Makes people sense. who go there looking yeah. to be scared. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like a watering hole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And something else that popped up years later was I told the story to Anthony. Anthony said, you know what that smell is? He said, that's, that's evil. Mm-hmm. He said, mm-hmm. no one else smelled it. That's what it smells like. Yeah. He said, because he said, if it was gas, it's odorless and it's, you're not going to smell it like that. Right. He said, that's what that was. Cool. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, not so great for me because I say I slept badly, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it's kind of interesting. Well, at least you got a good story for your that, money. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of money and the worst breakfast. Really? We'll call it uh, bed and misery. Oh no. They were these, uh, Jimmy Dean sausages. No. And, um... No, not Jimmy Dean. There's some kind of, some kind of pancake mix. They were horrible. Johnny cakes. Maybe oh, maybe they're Johnny, Johnny cakes. cakes. Yeah, yeah. Just grotesque. The worst. Not thing. good. The worst. Not good. For that kind of money. Yeah. So, uh, so to the uh, to whoever was who asked me that, that's the story of my stay at Lizzie Borden House. Nice. Uh, I will not be going back. No. No. I I know Queen Mary. I'll go back. Yeah. Because uh, that was interesting. Lizzie Borden House. I, Fall River doesn't feel like a great place, anyways. Mm, you yeah. know, apologies to anyone who lives in Southern Massachusetts. Yeah. But I don't know. Uh, so I think that's going to do it. Uh, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, follow us on Twitter or follow me on Twitter at large to the truth. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can actually now subscribe to us on the Google podcast app. That's right. Which is pretty cool. Up and new. Thank you to Hexagram for the music. You can find them online at hexagram.bandcamp.com. Their new album will be out, I believe around Halloween. Oh, cool. So I'm really looking forward to that. Excellent. How could I forget? Huge thank you to our researcher, Luke Greensmith. Yes. We wouldn't be able to do this without him. I can't no. believe I didn't do that when it first off. Sorry, Luke. Uh, you can Good find thing he's far away. That's, that's true, yeah, because he's <laughs> enormous. I saw a picture of him standing next to someone. He's a giant. I know, he'd kill us both. Yeah, yeah, with just one hand. Yeah. It's just, sort of while he's not even thinking about no, it. No, he would swing around to grab something and we'd be dead in the Holy ground. Holy man. I know. So uh, thank you, Luke. Don't hurt, don't hurt us. <laughs> uh, you can find him on Twitter at Luke Greensmith, or you can find him uh, find his, his blog on Tumblr at lukegreensmith.tumblr.com. Perfect. If you want to, if you happen to be in Victoria, you'd like to do a ghost walk with Ian, you can contact us at the ghost story guys, email address, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Yep. And Ian will help set that up with you. 
Uh, also, if you have any stories you'd like to share with us, we'd love to hear them. Always. Reach us at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Perfect. And uh, I think that's going to do it. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. And until then, into the darkness we go. I told you. Holy fuck. It's like a daily thing now. What was that? Josh. Hey, Josh. (laughs) That was weird. Oh, Brennan. We just can't leave you alone with this equipment. I just wanted to make it bigger. (laughs) And I broke it. This happens every time. (laughs) Because it's not Thailand. Thailand. I would like to go to Thailand. (laughs) I also have a very healthy skepticism and will always motherfucker.